Amen. 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 You can be seated, be present uh, in the presence of the Lord this morning. And so we are continuing our series, Building Christmas Traditions. And uh, last week we had talked about establishing a tradition of sharing your faith. So I pray that you have been, uh, that you applied that word last week. And I trust that you have been uh, seeking and believing God to, uh, and, and just really uh, developing uh, some rhythms and some patterns of sharing your faith with those uh, who need it, which obviously is everybody, but particularly those who haven't been saved and washed in the blood of Jesus. And so uh, we said last week that this series is really about keeping Christ in Christmas. Um, and we figured that one of the best ways to do that is to establish some traditions. Uh, one of the things I have learned when it comes to following Christ, that we have to do things on purpose. Uh, and what I mean by that is, how many know that the world and, and the system of the world has a way of getting you so caught up that before you know it, uh, you're not even focused on the thing that you really need to be focused on? And Christmas is one of those times, it's a very, very busy time of the year. And it's so easy to get caught up in that if you don't do some things on purpose, Christ will not be the center uh, of this season. And so we want to really make our Christmas most effective. And we want to we really make sure that we're keeping Christ in the center uh, of it all. As we said last week, this is an amazing platform for all believers everywhere uh, as this is a religious holiday, and believe me, and I, I believe that while we still have a chance, because I really believe that there's an antagonism uh, toward the uh, Christianity, uh, and it's uh, unlike I haven't seen before, and it's, be getting, it's becoming worse. And so we need to be really about our Father's business, and we need to be maximizing the opportunities that God has given us uh, to share our faith. So in continuing uh, today, I want to talk about another tradition I think that we can establish during the Christmas season, and that is a tradition of reconciliation and peace. A tradition of reconciliation and peace. I think one of the things that you'll discover, I'll probably say some things in this particular message today that will be difficult for some people to hear. Uh, primarily because relationships are hard. They always have been and always will be, and that's mainly as a result of the fall, sin. Sin has made relationships so difficult that there oftentimes are strain in relationships. Many of us have experienced things in our life where someone has offended us, someone has hurt us, someone has abused us, and some of us are still struggling with the repercussions of those past things. And when I say still struggling with them, we still sort of hold that, uh, that bitterness, that, that, that frustration down on the inside of us. And, and, and as we said before, we talk about how that we're so busy about giving, giving, uh, doing, having a tradition of giving gifts. And I thought that maybe that one of the things that we can, we can uh, set out to give this year is just a, a gift of forgiveness, a gift of reconciliation, a gift of peace. Because here's what we all must realize, and I think we need to say this very forcefully. People are broken. And, and I believe that Christians need to stop acting like, 
like people who, are, who don't know God are supposed to live right? How do we know that people are going to offend you? People are not going to do the right thing. Yes, people will say dumb things. Yes, people will do. And how many know that even us as Christians, we still say dumb things sometimes? Come on. Even we don't have it all together at times. But yet we have this expectation sometimes of those who don't know God, have no relationship with God. And we tend to get upset and we hold grudges because they did this and that to me. I want you to understand that the call of God that he has on our life is greater than your personal feelings. Let me say that again. The calling that God has placed on our lives is greater than your personal feelings. How many know that the Bible says that you are dead and your life is hidden with God in Christ Jesus? Which simply means that we have to learn how to put our feelings on the altar. How many know, church, that you're dying daily? There's a, there's a part of the old man every day should be, that should be peeling off of you. And, and, and if you are a person that are led by your emotions, you will never be effective in reaching anybody for Jesus. Because how many know your emotions are up and down? Your emotions are like a yo-yo. You are broken. And, and, and how many know that the enemy knows exactly where to push those buttons? Are you hearing what I'm saying? So we got to be bigger. We got to understand that, that I have a call on my life. And therefore, even if it means that I got to take a hit every now and then for Jesus, how many know it's worth taking a hit for Jesus? Amen. Amen. So I want to talk about this morning how that, that, that we, can, we can live on a higher plane and live our lives in such a way that, that, that offenses don't drag us down. That bitterness and hurt and past hurts and all of those things uh, uh, don't keep us from doing the thing that God has called us to do, which is reaching people. That's our that's who we are. That's what God wants us to do. And so so we got to understand some things about peace and reconciliation today. And I, and I believe God's going to show us some things through the word of God. So first, I want to establish this this first principle. And we saw it somewhat in the video that our God is a God of peace. Say that with me. God is a God of peace. Come on, say it with me. Uh, one more time. Let's do it together. God is a God of peace. Now, I want us to get that into our spirit. Because how many of you consider yourself a child of God? No, the Bible says, I believe in Matthew 5, 19, Jesus says, blessed are the peacemakers. For they will be called children of God. Think about that. He said, blessed are those who make peace. Not only that you are peaceful in terms of, of, of relationships with other people, but, but you figure out a way to just, everywhere you go, you figure out a way to be a peacemaker. How many know that we have enough hell raisers around? <laughs> but we need peacemakers. The Bible says, blessed are the peacemakers, for these are the Children of God. Isaiah 9, 6 says this. For unto us a child is born. Unto us a son is given. And the government will be upon his shoulders. And his name will be called Wonderful, Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father. And, watch this, the Prince of Peace. He is peace. Jesus authors peace. See, that word peace means to be quiet from disturbance. (laughs) 
It's a quiet calmness in our souls, in our spirit. It's the disposition. Jesus is the prince of peace. Peace comes from him. Everything about God, he is a God of peace. That's why the Bible says, let the peace of God rule in your heart. I want to I submit to you this morning, if you're not at rest, if you're not at peace, then you need to make a change. I submit to you this morning that it's your fault. I told you I'd say some tough things you wouldn't like. But if you sit here today, but how many know that God, Jesus said, I'll give you peace? Uh, you know, a, a peace that surpasses what? All understanding. Right? A peace that the world can't take away from you. That's why Jesus said this in John 14, 27. He said, peace I leave with you. You get it? He's leaving me peace. Watch. My peace I give to you. Not as the world do I give to you. Now, how many know that the world's peace is temporary? The world's peace shifts from moment to moment, second to second. It's all dependent on circumstances. How many know, Christian, that your circumstances are always going to be what they are? How many of you have lived your life long enough to know that when there's one problem, there's always another one right around the corner? Anybody with me this morning? When you defeated one devil, how many know there's another one? Some of us in Christian language, we've heard this terminology. Uh, There's a a new devil at every level. (laughs) There's a new challenge. Every time you defeat something, how many know? And and it's almost like we live life and we never get it because we always seem to be surprised about it. And Jesus is trying to let us know something. He said, look, I'm giving you peace. I'm leaving something with you that transcends all of the activity that is going on around you in this broken world. So peace is mine. How many know the devil works overtime to steal your what? Peace. Because when you're not in peace, more than likely you'll be walking in fear. And how many know that when you walk in fear, you're messing your life up? You make bad choices when you're in fear. Come on, church. See, see, the, one of the reasons why, and think about it, if he's a prince of peace and he's given us peace, then how many know that we need to embrace it? See, it's hard to reconcile or, get, or, or bring peace in our relationships if you don't have peace within yourself. You ever know somebody like that? See, see in other words, if you're not peace, if you're, if you're all anxious in your spirit, if you're all mad and you're all bitter and there's raging all this stuff going on inside of you, then how many know that it's very difficult to you to transfer any kind of peace because you don't have, you can't transfer what you don't have? Y'all hear what I'm saying, church? If we don't have it, we can't give it. So Jesus says, watch this, I'm giving you peace. But what are you picking up? What are you walking in? See, this is what Jesus, see, some of us, we got to get to a point. We say, you know what, no matter what the devil do, he's not going to steal my peace. I'm not going to let him steal my joy. I'm, how many know that, look at the neighbor and say, peace is mine. Peace is mine. And listen, and don't let the devil take it from you. Don't want, listen, don't allow yourself to be to, to walk in worry, unbelief, doubt, anxiety, depression. Peace I leave with you, Jesus said. My peace. He says, do not let your heart be troubled. Everybody said, don't let it be troubled. Don't let it be troubled. In other words, he's telling you that you have some, some level of control over that. Don't let it be troubled. Luke chapter 2, verse 14, when, when Luke was describing this baby Jesus when he came to the earth, the Bible says, glory to God in the highest and peace 
and on earth peace and goodwill toward men. How many know that God desired men to be at peace? You know, there's all these wars and rumors of wars all around us. Y'all know that, that that didn't originate from God. All these conflicts, you know what I'm saying? That stuff doesn't originate from God. When Jesus came and the angels sung, they said, glory to God in the highest and on earth, good peace and goodwill toward men. God's desire is peace. And Jesus came as the prince of peace to bridge the gap so that then men who are not right with God can be made with God and then experience his peace. Romans 15, 30, uh, Romans 15, 33 says this. Now the God of peace be with you all. I mean, he's a God of peace. Now let's talk a moment about how he has reconciled us with himself. I'm building, so I want you to stay with me. I'm going somewhere. So I wanted to first establish that he's a God of peace. And God says that his children are peacemakers. So if he's a God of peace, how many know that we are supposed to be children of what? Peace. Right? So we're supposed to carry on this work, this work of peace and reconciliation. The Bible says in Ephesians chapter 2, verses 14 and 19, it's a wonderful verse that really uh, drives it home even further. For he, Jesus, is our peace. Watch this, who hath made both one and hath broken down the middle wall of partition between us, having abolished in his flesh the enmity, even the law of the commandments contained in ordinances, for to make in himself of twain one new man, so making peace, and that he might reconcile both unto God in one body by the cross, having slain the enmity thereby, and came and preached peace, watch this, to you which were far off. Stay with me, this is good stuff. And to them that were not, for through him we both have access by one spirit unto the Father. Now therefore you are no more strangers and foreigners, but fellow citizens with, uh, with the saints and with the household of God. Now, now understand something that he says there. First of all, we understand that there was this wall of separation between God and man. There was this wall. And for everybody who don't know Christ Jesus today, there's, this, there's, a, there's a wall of separation, which means they, are, they cannot connect with God in and of, in and of their own strength. They are, they are dead in their sins. There's this wall. And Jesus didn't come. Everybody who received Jesus received the gift of salvation because what Jesus did was he bridged the gap. Everybody said he bridged that gap. The wall that separated man and God, Jesus bridges the gap. And, and I love this verse because it says in verse number 17, and, and when Jesus came, now, he came preaching what? Peace. Now watch. How many of you know that Jesus was the initiator? Now, I want you to go back to something I said earlier. We said that we're the children of what? Peace. Blessed are the peacemakers. How many know that Jesus, even though we were separated from him in our sin, that, that, that he came after us? Aren't you glad that he didn't have to wait on you to get right? No, no. You got to understand something. You are saved today because Jesus took the initiative. If you're saved, you're saved because he came to us. How many know he came down from heaven? 
came down on the earth, came to get us. He could have left us where we were. He said, no, no, I don't want to do that. I'm going to give them a way out. How many know he didn't have to do it? But he did it anyhow. Aren't you glad about it this morning? And he came and preached peace. In other words, here's what people got to understand when it, when it comes to, to Jesus. Now, when, when we got saved, one of the reasons why I came to God, and one of the reasons I believe why you came to God, was, was, was because you realized that he's good and his mercy endures forever. Am I right about it? Uh, you know, it was the goodness of God that caused us to what? Repent. You somewhere, I mean, you understand. How many know Jesus didn't come preaching? You low down sinner, you filthy, you you got all kind of issues, and you know, and you got look at you, you're just a filth. How many know he didn't come, he didn't come preaching anger? Come on, he didn't come preaching uh, 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 judgment and condemnation. Watch y'all, y'all with me, say amen. He didn't come, he didn't come you know, frustrated and, and mad and angry and pre- No, he preached what? Peace. He said, look, I know you did all that stuff. I'm not here to bring it up, but I'm here to bring peace to you. I'm here to bring you out. Aren't you glad this morning, church, that listen, that 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 not only that he 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 saved you, but he don't bring up your stuff. He don't bring up all your past stuff. All the stuff you he he preaches. Peace. He's a God of what? Peace this morning. He came to us. He preached peace to us who were afar off doing our own thing. And man, when I got a revelation that God loves me in spite of myself, let me tell you something. Boy, I got excited. I said, man, because because I had a hard time forgiving me. You follow what I'm saying? And to think that there was somebody out there that will love me for who I am and accept me and be willing to change me and, and still working on me. Come on, church. We ought to give Jesus a hand clap of praise for that this morning. I mean, it's all about him. I mean, he's, he's so good that way. It makes me want to love him. It makes me want to follow him. He came preaching peace. How many know, church, if we're going to be effective in reaching people for Jesus, we got to stop preaching condemnation to him. How many know most people already know they're messed up? They don't need you to remind them. <laughs> you know, how many know that, 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 that God's love and his mercy is what's going to cause people to come? They need to understand that, church. And, you know, they, you know and, and, and so we got to be careful in our presentation. We got to make sure that as we're preaching the gospel, that we're preaching a gospel of what? Peace. Not a gospel of works. Because how many know people fall short of that? All have fallen short of that. But, but, but we had to preach peace. And see, so he came to us. He, he made peace with us, and, and, and he preached peace. And now he requires us to do the same. And, and, and one of the things that, that he does in order to help us to understand that is that he wants us to remember. Everybody say remember. remember. You know, it's an amazing thing with the human mind because we have a tendency. We don't remind ourselves. We'll forget, won't we? We'll forget what God has done and. After a while, if you've been saved for a little while, if you're not careful, you start to look down on some people who ain't where you are. Uh, it's very easy to do, man. You can come super religious real quick. You know, I, I can't, I don't want to be around them people, man, because they're, they're ungodly. Yeah, they're ungodly. You were ungodly too. <laughs> That's why Paul says in Ephesians chapter 2, verse 11 through 13, he says, therefore, remember. Everybody say Remember. Oh, this is good, church. This is good stuff. He Paul says, talking to the Ephesians, he said, therefore, remember. 
because we have a tendency to forget that you were once Gentiles in the flesh who are called uncircumcision by what is called the circumcision made in the flesh by hands. That at that time, verse 12, you were without Christ. Do you remember that? Being aliens from the commonwealth of Israel and strangers from the covenant of the promise. In other words, you was a sinner too. In other words, you used to hate. You used to walk in unforgiveness. You used to walk in sexual immorality. You used to walk in all the things that you're seeing. He said, Paul says, you need to remember that you were once that way yourself. You were strangers to the covenant of promise. You had no hope and you was without God in the world. Church, how many know what's important about remembering? See, the importance about remembering is that you have mercy on other people. See, when you don't remember where you came from, you see, you, 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 you won't have mercy on nobody else because you think you're better. So, so remembering, see, if I remember, watch this, church. See, if I remember where I came from, if I remember what God did for me, then how many know that I'm going to have a little bit more patience with other people? Because, you know, God, I think back and I say, man, I remember when I was a little slim shape. I, I struggle with this with my own kids sometimes because parents, we struggle with this because we want our kids to get it right, you know, in a, in a jiffy, right? I mean, we want them to, like, we want them to, like, be holy sacred. We want them to come out of the womb, man. I mean, when I, when, you know, when, when you were born, we dedicated you to the Lord. <laughs> you know, we had to, pre- we brought you up front, and we had to preach and pray over you, and, and we dedicate, and you're acting like a little demon. You're not supposed to, you know. And sometimes, we forget, sometimes my kids are mom, they'll say things like, how were you when you were my age? I hate when my kids do that to me. Yeah. Right, something inside of me says, uh, yeah, anybody know what I'm talking about? There's something inside of you says, uh, why you got to go there? You know, remember. <laughs> That's God's way of saying you have to have patience, just like He was patient with us, with you. We got to be patient with what? Them. And how many know the sanctification is a process? It's a process with which God has taken us from glory to glory to glory to glory. And so, and so, I, so we have to understand that when, when dealing with people who are not, quote unquote, where we are yet, that God is still working down on the inside of them. And we just got to have faith. But now we've been made, nigh who were far off have been brought near by the blood of Jesus. It was all about Jesus coming after us. And he says in, in Colossians 2, uh, verse 13 and 14, that we were dead in our trespasses and sin. I like this verse. And the uncircumcision of your flesh, he has made you alive with him, having forgiven you all of your trespasses. Wow. God, did you really do that? You forgave me of all of my trespasses? I mean, every single one of them? Maybe you listened to his message this morning. You're thinking, man, I... I did some pretty rough stuff. And you mean to tell me God is, uh, he'll forgive me of that? I mean, come on, look, uh, amazing. How many know he forgave us all of our trespasses? Now watch this, stay with me. He's forgiven us of all of our trespasses and sin. Now watch this. And and how many know, how many of you live your life as a Christian uh, uh, worried about what you did in the past? You don't, do you? I mean, you, you live your life, man, you just, you're straight ahead, right? You, you like, I mean, all the sin and the stuff you did in the past, 
you're not, if, you, if, you, if you've been taught properly, if your orthodoxy is correct, you're not walking and living in the past because you know that it's under the blood. Look at the neighbor say it's under the blood. See, so you walk in free. You, you don't even live back there. You know you're free from that. You're free from that. You don't walk in the, see, and so, and so, you know, you know why you don't walk in that? Because God don't throw it back in your face. Aren't you glad that he don't throw it back in your face? Church, how many of us are willing by faith to forgive someone to the extent that we don't throw it back in their face? That we offer reconciliation to the point that we don't bring it up? Uh, that's God. I'm human. Well, that's why he's giving you the Holy Spirit. How many know that's the, that's the reason why you have the Holy Spirit? Am I right about it? God didn't give you the Holy Spirit to give you goosebumps. Oh, I feel the power of the Holy Ghost. I feel, I feel. What does that mean? <laughs> what does that mean? Because the power, God's, how many know the, God's power comes to bring about a what? Change. See, don't talk me to that. It's all about a change. How many know God will give you the power to do what you can't do in your flesh? That's why he said, I'm going to give you a comforter the Holy Spirit, because you can't pull this off. We got two more points, and we'll get you out of here. Let's talk about our calling to reconcile one to another as Christians and the importance of that. So we understand. So the first point we talked about is that God is a God of peace. And then we talked about how God reconciled us, how he came after us. He don't hold things against us. Let's talk about how that we're called to reconcile with one another because how many know that your Christian witness is affected by how we treat one another? You know, um, the Bible says in Ephesians 4.32, says, be kind to one another <laughs> and be tenderhearted, forgiving one another, even as Christ in God forgave you. Man, that's a power-packed verse, isn't it? Think about it. He said, forgive one another. So, first of all, this tells me a couple things. It tells me that just because we're saved don't mean that people, that people are perfect. I even know that Christian people still have problems, too. And if you're saved today, you know what I'm talking about. I don't have to work hard to convince you of that. So he's telegraphing to us. He's saying, he says, be kind of one another. Be tenderhearted. Forgive. So why is he telling you that? He's talking about Christians now. He's telling us that because he knows that we're going to do something to one another that's going to cause us to have to forgive. So I know it right up front. I know it go, going into the thing. Uh, what's your expectation? See, getting saved, going into my, listen, going into Christianity, going into the, the household of faith, I understood that my brothers and sisters are going to do something to which I'm going to have to forgive them for it. Forgiveness should be something that is automatic with every believer, with another believer, right? Jesus said this, and tell you how serious he was about this. Now, this is deep. I told you I'm going to say some things you're not going to like. So here's one of those other things you're not going to like. But how many know we, we're just going to tell you what the word of God says, am I right? So we just preach the word. It says here in Ephesians chapter 5, verse 23 and 24, Therefore, if you bring your gift to the altar... And there you remember that your brother has something against you. Now stop right there. It didn't say that you had something against your brother. He said, you just remember now. Watch this. You're getting ready to pray 
And you just remember, uh, Walter got a problem with me. Now, you ain't did nothing to Walter, but you just kind of remember. And, you know, in Christians, sometimes we'll say this to each other, right? We'll say something along these lines. Y'all see with me, say amen. Here's what we say. I ain't got a problem with them. That's their problem. They got, they got, they got an issue. Well, well, I just noticed, brother, that so-and-so look like they got a, they ain't talking to you. Is anything? That ain't my problem. I'm, I'm free as a bird. God, I'm, I'm blessed. I, I'm all right. That's on them. I, I, I'm fine. I don't know what their problem is. That's on them. I mean, they, they ain't talking to me. Oh, well. And we walk around as if we got a pass to do it. But, but how many of you love the word of God? See, the word of God says this, though. Watch this. If you bring your gift to the altar, first lady, and you there remember that your brother has something against you. <laughs> Wait a minute, God. I, ain't, I didn't start this. That ain't, that ain't what he said. He said, you just remember that they had something against you. He said, then leave your gift <laughs> before the altar and go your way. And first, everybody say first. first. Be reconciled to your brother and then come. <laughs> Tell you how serious God is about reconciliation. Even if you didn't offend anybody. Even if, even if, I'm sorry, even if nobody really offended you or he, he says, watch this, even if you didn't do anything, even if you just have revelation, knowledge that somebody got a, a problem with you in the faith, he says, you're required to go and try to fix it. Isn't that deep? How many of us do that? Because <laughs> many times we say, well, that's not my problem. But God is saying it is your problem because how many know that he's saying here, if I'm reading this correctly, that our prayer life is affected by our relationship one to another. So, so I'm, I'm, I'm going to give you an example. First lady, come up here real quick. So come up here real quick, first lady. So let's just say that you know, I'm, this is my wife. All right. So there are times in a marital relationship, where, and there have been times when I've been like, Come home, I'm happy, ain't nothing wrong with me, everything is good, and life is good, and I come home, and she might have a little attitude. Now, I have a choice. I can say, what's wrong? Or I can say, what's your problem? <laughs> I'm fine, you need to pull it together, right? I have, I have a choice to me. Now, I haven't done nothing to her. I don't need, but, but, but maybe something that she saw, maybe something she heard, maybe something I didn't do the day before, whatever it is, I didn't do anything to her. She just has developed an attitude. I'm fine. Now, I can say, well, let me try to figure this out. If I'm a smart Christian, I would say, what's wrong? Let's talk about it. Or I can take the attitude that's your problem. You need to go talk to the Lord. You need to go pray. How many know God wants us to go work it out? And watch this. He want, watch. If you got knowledge, then take the initiative. Go ahead, baby. Thank you. Take the initiative. Because the point, the point being is that how many know the sinners are sinners? And Jesus came after us. How many know that we got to go after people? Are y'all hearing what I'm saying this morning, church? We got to go after people. Jesus said this, a new commandment. I give to you that you love one another as I loved you. Now, what is a commandment? What is a commandment? A commandment is not optional, is it? A new commandment I give to you that you love one another. 
And, and, and you know, how many, how many know that, that love is not just in what we say? True love ends what is what we do. So how many know just saying you love somebody don't mean, I mean, it's a spiritual thing. I love everybody. I love all God's people. But it has to be demonstrated. He says, so I'm giving you this commandment. Love one another. <laughs> love one another. It's not an option. I can't choose. I can't say, well, I'm not going to. No, love one another. In other words, do something. Express your love to one another. Why? Because Jesus said this, all men will know you're my disciple, John 17, by the love you have one toward another. So I want you to understand that when it comes to reconciliation with God, then it's, it's so much, you know, and, and let, me, let, me, let me say this. Let me say it this way. Um, I was, many years ago when I was a, a young Christian and there was a, a, I was involved in a, I guess what you would call a church split of some sorts. It wasn't a, an egregious one, but nonetheless, it was a church split. And I remember there were some younger people who had just gotten saved in, in the Lord. And, uh, and they, had, um, they were relatively new Christians. And, uh, and so this person, they ended up leaving the church. And then I saw them like maybe like a year or two later, maybe like a year later. And I just kind of asked the question. They were very involved. Like, so what church are you going to now? And, and I'll never forget what she said to me. Uh, her name was Raquel. She said, she says, I'm not going to any, any place right now. I'm not going to any church. I said, why not? She said, because I just, you know, she said, because I just felt like that if the church people couldn't get it right, you know, what's the, what's the use? And I never forgot that because, and I realized that as it relates to our capacity and ability to be able to touch other people with the gospel, our relationship and how we relate to each other is that much more important. So, so I want you to understand this, church, that we got to be those that promote righteousness within the body of Christ. And what I simply mean by that is don't be a party to anything that is, going to, uh, uh, that, that is not going to support or build up one another to the degree that we are reconciling with one another. Don't participate. If somebody want to be divisive, let's not be, participate in that. But let's, let's be those that will promote um, love for one another. Why is that so important? Because if people can see us loving each other, um, and no, in, in spite of our differences, where we come from, our challenges, if people can see that, then they'll be inspired, perhaps, uh, to get right with God. People are truly looking. I really believe that, that people want to be a part of a family. You know, that's why we have gangs. You ever talk to a gang member and ask them why they want to be a part of a gang? Because they said it's family. It's just, it's twisted. That's all it is. It's twisted. Everybody want to be a part of a family. But else we want them to be a part of God's family. Amen? Amen. Last, let's, let's uh, talk about this last point, our calling to make peace and lead others uh, to reconcile with God. Romans 12, verse 17 through 19 says this, Repay no one evil for evil. All right? We're not called to get people back. We can't retaliate when people do us wrong. I know our flesh want to do that, but he says repay evil, no one evil for evil. He says have regard for good things in the sight of all men. If it is possible, as much as it depends on you, live peaceably with all men. Now, some of us will look at that verse and says, well, what that verse simply means uh, 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 is that um, 
you know, that, that you can be peaceful until you had enough. <laughs> uh, that's, that's not the context what the verse is really saying. Uh, I know we would like that. But what he's saying really there is, is that you and I are responsible for our own actions. How many know that I can't force somebody else to act a certain way? But how many know I can control me? Watch this. So as it depends on you, you be at peace with everybody. Now, if they want to be otherwise, let them do whatever they want. You follow what I'm saying? He's but, but as it relates to you, because how many know that we're accountable to God? Amen. We're accountable to God. It's as much as it depends on you, you live peaceably with all men. In other words, if peace is absent, it won't have anything to do with you because you're a daughter and you're a son of peace. Do not avenge yourselves, but rather give place to wrath, for it is written, Vengeance is mine. I will repay, says the Lord. How many know that God can fight your enemies much better than you can? Uh, you know, he can. Uh, Hebrews 12, 14 says that we're, we're to pursue peace with all people. And holiness without which no one will see the Lord. It's interesting there that Jesus, that, that uh, the writer of the book of Hebrews, which I believe was the Apostle Paul, uh, that he's using the word holiness and peace within the same context. So he's kind of suggesting there that, that that's holiness, that walking in peace is holy. Pursue peace. I mean, run after it. Chase after peace. Figure out a way to make peace. Pursue peace with Watch this, not just with Christians, not just with people you like, but with all men. That's what he says. With all people. Pursue peace with all people with, uh, in holiness without which no one will see the Lord. How I many know, church, that we got we to learn to forgive people? Some, I mean, I said that earlier, but um, when Jesus was on that cross, he said, Father, uh, forgive them for they don't know what they're doing. I want to say that that's the way we need to look at folks who are not saved. Forgive them. They don't even know what they're doing. They don't have a clue. You know the truth. And so therefore, we have to have a different attitude. We have to understand that they are lost, that they are broken, and they don't understand. Hebrews uh, 12, 15 talks about that we got to be careful that we don't allow bitterness to spring up in our own hearts to the degree that we become defiled. And if we become defiled, then we, we cannot uh, have an impact for God. Because if we are defiled with bitterness and anger and unforgiveness, then we're blocking somebody else from experiencing the same reconciliation that we receive from God. So I want you to understand it this way. If people, if your attitude and the way you treat and respond to other people, there's a direct correlation in, in their salvation and them getting saved based upon how you treat them. So I want you to remember that for every time you're tempted to hold a grudge against a mother, father, uncle, cousin, brother, sister, aunt, uncle, husband, wife, whatever the case might be, I want you to think about it this way. Their salvation could be at stake based on your attitude. Man, I think that's a very, very serious thing that we need to be careful about. And so we want to guard against that. We want to guard against that attitude of, of, of bitterness because it hinders our ability to win others to Christ and to reconcile them with God. And that's why I said that we need to give the gift of uh, reconciliation in Christmas. It's something that we want to practice. In fact, I'm going to suggest this, that you find somebody uh, this year, 
then maybe you want to offer that gift to somebody. Maybe somebody you have a strained relationship with, whatever the case might be, or you know of somebody, parties that are strained, then you go and say, you know what, I'm going to be, I'm going to, I'm going to help reconcile that. I'm going to be a peacemaker. I'm going to step in. And I'm, or if it's you directly, you know what, I'm going to give the gift of reconciliation. I'm going to take that initiative, and I'm going to make that phone call because some of us have been waiting for the call to come to us. Well, they were supposed to call me. They never called me. They never said sorry, so I'm not going to say sorry. I think God is saying this year, and this is the starting now. Watch, every year, this is a good Christmas tradition. You're going, to, you're going to reach out and say, you know what? I just want to say, hey, I'm sorry. I want to reach out to you. I want to let you know that I care about you and, you know, just take that step. Lastly, in 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verses 18 and 20, we read this. Uh, uh, at the beginning of the sermon, and we're going to close with this, uh, this particular verse. And it says that now all things are of God who has reconciled us to himself through Jesus Christ and have given us the ministry of reconciliation. That is, that God was in Christ reconciling the world to himself, not imputing their trespasses to them, and has committed to us a word of reconciliation. Now, I want you to, to understand that. Because this is important. Now then, we are ambassadors for Christ, as though God were pleading through us. We implore you on Christ's behalf, be reconciled to God. See, everything that we do is about helping people to be reconciled to God. Think about it. Everything. This is why we can't hold grudges. This is why we can't hold bitterness. Because everything we do as Christians is about helping them to be reconciled to God. But, but he said, so, because understand this, church, the whole gospel message is about reconciliation and forgiveness. The whole of the gospel message. And Paul puts it in some very, very uh, precise uh, language. And he says, and, 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 I, and I like what he says, that, 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 that God is, that, that, that is in us, as though God was pleading through us in verse 20. We implore you on Christ's behalf. Be reconciled to God. First of all, we have the ministry of reconciliation. And that's why I said earlier, you heard me say it, say it before, I say it again. Every Christian is called in the ministry. And all of us have the ministry of reconciliation. That's given to us. That's our ministry. Our ministry of reconciliation. We, we've been given that. We can't say, well, I'm not, I'm not going to reconcile. You and I have been called. We have been given the ministry of fixing relationships. Reconciling with other people with hope that they will reconcile themselves to God. And we're going to hopefully help lead them in that process. And then him giving us the ministry of reconciliation, the word of reconciliation, then we are now those ambassadors, and God is pleading through us to other people. Hey, you need to get right with God. So every time we, we see people, man, who are not right with God, we need to be, listen, we're Jesus' hand and feet right here on the earth. And God is making his plea to other people through you and me. Isn't that wonderful that we could be a co-laborer with God in that way? He's pleading through us. Get right with God. Be reconciled. God, listen, God will forgive you. He's a God of peace. It's okay. Be reconciled to God. Get right with God. He's making his plea through us. And knowing that he's making that plea through us, let's make it our personal business to make sure that we don't do anything to hinder the work that God is trying to do in the lives of the people that you know. So let's, again, I want to close this message by saying, Let's begin a tradition of forgiveness and reconciliation. Let's begin that. Maybe the Holy Spirit, let's, let's bow your head. Every eye is closed, every head is bowed, every eye is closed.